IV team, what I'd like you to do, just when I finish my message, I'd like you to put the clip up again. I want you to push the pause buzzin, button when you get to the first mother and son. I'll tell you why a little later. Amen. Once you, if you've got a Bible with you, want you open the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 11. I want to speak tonight, no compromise. How many know that God is looking for people who make a stand? You're living in a society now with there's pressures of every kind. God is looking for people who can make a difference, and you're one of them. You're called to make a difference. Not to go with the crowd, but to make a difference. I want to read just uh, three verses here. I want to just talk to you about a situation out of the Bible and how you can make a choice, how you're going to respond when you face pressure like these people did. Every one of us is facing pressures of some kind. And let's read these verses here. Nahash the Ammonite came out and camped around Jabesh Gilead. They built a siege. And the men of Jabesh came out to Nahash, and they said, Make a covenant with us, and we'll serve you. In other words, they wanted to compromise. And he said, Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is what I'll do. I'll make a covenant with you, and this is the deal. I'll covenant, I'll spare your lives, but I'll poke out your right eye, and you'll live in shame for all of your life. What happened in the situation is a siege has taken place. A siege means that they camp around the city and they cut off the supplies and they put pressure on the city and on the people in the city to give up. There's a tremendous pressure comes when you look out every day and you see there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the enemy surrounding you. You feel outnumbered. You feel overwhelmed. It seems like the only thing you can do is to give in. And that's the situation many young people are in today. That's the situation people face today when you're under pressure in your thought life, pressure in your thoughts to give in, pressure in your feelings which seem overwhelming. And all the line, you find this pressure comes around your mind that you've got to give up. Why, not, why shouldn't I do it? No one will know. No one will see. I can get away with it. Others do it. And there's a relentless pressure comes on people today to give in and go with the crowd. Maybe with money to give it. Why not? Everyone else has taken money. Why not? Everyone else is ripping the boss off. Why not? Cam in the area of sexual relationships. Why not? Everyone else is doing it. Friend, don't buy into that lie. That's the enemy besieging you, and he has something in mind for you if you will respond to him. You notice here that in this place, they were under pressure. It never let up. And you were under pressure in your life. You're under pressure over whether you'll be a person of truth, whether your word, you'll keep your word or not. You're a person that keeps your word or under pressure, do you fold? You're under pressure, and in the society we live in today, we're under pressure in the area of purity, to keep yourself clean, in the area of money and finances, every kind of area of our life, personal standards, there is a pressure to go with a crowd, there's a pressure to conform to what's around us. What I want to know is whether you're a person who can stand up and a person who can make a difference. So we read the story, we're going to find this just an opportunity for you and I to make a difference in how we choose and how we respond. Not everyone gives in. Not everyone goes with the crowd. Not everyone yields. There are choices you can make, and it's your choice how you respond. I want to show you in the story here that there are consequences of giving in, and you are among one of three or four different groups of people depending on how you choose. First thing you notice is that if you compromise and you give in, if you give in to sin, if you give in to the things that are pressing around you to compromise personal values, standards, and God's Word, there is always a cost to it. The Bible tells us this guy was called Nahash. His name means the serpent. He's a picture of the devil. He was the snake. And he was an Ammonite. tells us the Ammonites were terribly unclean people. So we have this man who's a king. He's called the serpent or the, the one who hisses, hissing around them saying, Give up. You've got to give up. You've got to give up. You've got to quit. You've got to give in. You've got to go along with the crowd. 
And every day they're under this relentless pressure. And so they came out and they said, why don't we do a deal? We want to kind of, you know, we'll give in. We'll just come along and cooperate with you. This was the deal. Whenever you compromise with sin, whenever you compromise with Bible standards, whenever you compromise with what you believe in, whenever you compromise with what God has chosen and called your life to, there'll always be a price. You may not see it immediately. There always is. Here's the first thing he said. I'm going to take out your eye. There's always a pain in our life when we compromise what we really believe and what we really stand for, what we've been raised up in. You feel the pain in your emotions. You feel it in your conscience. But not only do they feel the pain of having their eye taken out, once a person's right eye is taken out, they actually lose their capacity to see perspective. You actually can't see life properly anymore. When you compromise with sin, you don't see things right anymore. You find young people who start to sleep around, well, now they don't see it anymore like they used to see it. So they now make it their mission to try and get everyone else to do the same thing. You know why? Because their conscience is telling them that they're done wrong. You've done wrong. You've done wrong. Don't go down this path. You know, whenever we find ourselves, we're breaking the laws of God. Not only do we get into personal pain inside us, but we lose our perspective. We start to lose the call of God. We start to lose the dream that God has put into our heart. Once you start to compromise on those things, you start to lose your way. Another thing about losing the right eye, a person who lost his right eye had no ability to fight. In the Old Testament there, they used to hold a shield up and the shield would cover the left side of their face. They needed the right eye and that part of their, their life so they could look out and see. Friend, if you start to compromise, you've got no capacity to make a stand anymore. You become weakened. Once you've given in once, the pressure's on you to stay in that whole area. Once you say one to the first, yes to the first drink, it's hard to say no to the second, third, and fourth. I found when I was uh, just uh, had become a Christian, hadn't yet dealt with the issue of alcohol in my life, I found it was an interesting thing. I stopped drinking until I, until I, until I was, uh, had too much. I actually just would cut it down to one drink. And I noticed an interesting thing. All around, the pressure was, now have a second one, have a third one. And I started to realize after a while that people are not interested in you having one drink. They just want you to get plastered. And again, to realize then, if you don't make a clear stand, if the line isn't drawn where you stand, if it's fuzzy and, and vague, then you find relentless pressure on you that'll cost you something. And so it's painful when you give in to sin. It's painful when you compromise your beliefs. You lose your vision, your perspective for life. You lose a sense of where you're going. You lose your capacity to fight. And the last thing is, you start to carry a sense of shame, knowing I was called for better than this. You've given up one night and got drunk and none even know what happened to you. You wake up, the thing you feel the next day is shame because, you know, I was called for more than this. I was designed for something better than this. You give in to sin. You immediately feel straight after. It's a great sense of shame. I was designed for something better than this. When you stand up for what's right, something comes alive in you. Something empowers you. It may be difficult at the time, but, friend, it makes all the difference in your life. Christ has called us to make a stand. First stand you make is to identify with him and to follow him. It takes courage to do that. But once you do, he puts his spirit in you. Now, I want you to see what happened to these people. The first thing they said is, first thing they thought is, we've got to give in. There's no hope. Then the second thing they began to think was this. Well, maybe there's someone out there can help us. They went out and they began to publish the story. They told it all around. You read on in the next few verses and some people heard and those people sat down and they got very sad and they lamented that there's this problem there. And then there's another man and he's a different person. His name is Saul and he has a call and a destiny on his life. And when he hears the news, his response is completely different. Friend, tonight you're among one of those people. You're either a person who's already decided to compromise and have already decided to sell yourself out and have ended into a position where you're feeling shame and embarrassment about what you've done. 
Or you're personally saying, I, I wonder if there's a way out. I wonder if I can get a way through the situation. You're looking for help. Friend, that answer's found in Jesus Christ. Or you may be among a third group of people. A third group of people, they say, oh, look how terrible it is. Isn't it bad what's happening in the schools? Isn't it bad what's happening in the community? It's terrible, but we can't seem to do anything about it. If you're among those kind of people, you're also part of the problem. Or you could be like Saul, a fourth kind of person. Saul was a man, often we think of him as being a failure. At the end of his life, he did fail for various reasons. But this was not one point in his life where he failed. This was a point when he rose up and he demonstrated what a Holy Ghost anointed man does when there's a situation of need in a nation. The Bible tells us when some group of people heard it, they just sat down and lamented and cried. But when Saul heard it, this is what happened. The number one, the Spirit of God came on him. Friend, God wants to put His Spirit into your life. He wants to fire you up with Holy Ghost life. He wants to put a passion that your life would count for something. And when he heard bad news, he didn't lament. He didn't get all upset about it. He didn't go down the tubes with it. What he did was this. He became stirred in his spirit. He arose inside. He said, I'm going to make a difference. I will do something about this thing. When God is looking for people, not are going to compromise, not are going to look for ways out, not are going to sit down and say how bad the situation is, but people got the Holy Ghost in them that say, I will make a difference. I want you to see several things that happened. Number one, when he heard the condition, when he heard what was happening, the first thing that happened to him was the Spirit of God stirred him up. Now, friend, if you're a person who prays, if you're a person who works near to God, and you start to see what's going on, you feel inside, something inside you stirs, I must do something. I must be part of the answer. I must take my, do something in the Holy Ghost. The second thing you notice is he got very angry. He got very angry. You know, there's a real cause to be very angry. I hear what some of the things that are happening, and we've been exposed as parents to some things going on in the community and some things going on in the school. I will tell you this, I get very stirred up about it. I get very stirred up when a school can counsel a young person to have an abortion and tell the parents. That makes me angry. I feel very angry about a thing like that. When young people go out and are given drugs and made available freely through their friends at school, I get very angry and stirred about that. There are things to become stirred about. There are things that you ought to be stirred about. Well, I had when people come up to me and, and they begin to moan and groan and complain about how tough their lot is, and then they won't own up to the fact they're like it is because of their failure to be responsible. I don't like that either. I've heard people come up and complain, oh, we got a bad deal a hundred years ago. I don't care what deal you got a hundred years ago. You live here today. Now, if you're going to play the victim, you're like every other victim. You'll get nowhere. The only way out is if you actually own up and say, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to take responsibility for my life. Every one of us has to do that. Friends, you've got to make some decisions. We need to let get stirred. You need to get stirred. When I hear of young people and uh, at university, uh, my Sarah was telling me that almost the whole lot of them in, her, in her, the unit that she was in, the whole lot in the hostel she was in would go out and get plastered on the weekend. She just stood up and made a stand, refused to be a part of it. You know, at the end of the year, she'd influenced them. Uh, more than one had got saved. Most of them had been exposed to the gospel, and others had been touched very much by the presence of God. Friend, you can make a difference. You don't have to go with the crowd. You don't have to say yes to them. You don't have to give in to the pressure. There is a way through it. That way is to make a commitment to Christ, to make a stand for what's right. That's what Saul did. He stood up. These are the things that he did. He got stirred by the Holy Ghost. 
You can get stirred by the Holy Ghost if you begin to start to think about what's happening and instead of complaining about it, moaning to someone about it, you begin to start to pray about it. Friend, when you begin to pray in tongues and begin to focus your attention on some of the needs that are around, your spirit will become stirred. You will feel inside a fire rising up. It's the fire of the Spirit of God saying, I want you to do something about this. I wonder how many of you have a sense of stirring when you hear the stories on the weekend of what young people have been up to and something in you gets angry and stirred. Instead of just being angry, begin to focus it in prayer and say, God, show me something that I can do. My friend, you can't be a person of compromise if you're going to be part of the answer. You have to make a stand. This is the thing that solved it. Number one, his spirit was stirred greatly as the Holy Ghost came on him, just like yours can be. The second thing that he did was he began to gather people together. He drew others in to stand in agreement. Friend, if you want to make a stand and want to be a no-compromise person, you've got to be a person of prayer, person of conviction, and you have to just begin to draw others around you who will unite in a common purpose. There's nothing like having someone else stand with us to give us tremendous strength to stand in the face of adversity. Then what he did then was he began to confront the issue. He stood up to it instead of going along with it. Instead of nodding his head and saying, we're just going to go with this, he stood up to it and he confronted it. The Bible tells us God gave him a tremendous victory, tremendous victory in the midst of it. He persevered till he got a breakthrough. When you read there in the story, you find they got such a victory that there were not even two of the enemy left together. Now, that is a major, major victory. Now, friend, I don't know where you are tonight, but you have some choices to make about the kind of life you're going to live. The powerful life that makes a difference is a life that's focused on Christ, that says yes to him and answers to his call to make a difference in this generation. The life that's powerful says, I'm going to live for Christ. I won't make compromise. I'm going to ask the Lord for empowerment to be one who will make a difference. Friend, you could be a person like that tonight. I wonder where you are tonight, whether you're one of the crowd that's already given in, whether you're one of the crowd, and perhaps you're here tonight and under pressure, and you say, is there a way out? That way out is coming to Christ. Or perhaps you're those who sit down and lament. God wants to put in your heart a passion to be part of the answer. Finally, God wants you to be like Saul was and be stirred in the Holy Ghost and make a difference. I wonder if you could just play that first part of that Mother's Day video and if you can just freeze it when the first mother and son comes up, please. Okay, just freeze it there. You see that mother and that little baby? Josiah. Beautiful mother and beautiful baby. When she got pregnant, the doctors did a scan and, and, and began to, they called both Brian and Jacinda in to talk with them. They said, you need to know something. You need to know that your child is in serious problems. Spina bifida, it has a hole in the spine and so therefore it will be crippled. He'll never walk. Not only that, he has a heart problem. He has a very weak heart. He's not likely to live. Not only that, because of the problem with the fluids, his brain is swelled. He's likely to have severe brain damage and probably won't be able to communicate with you. And they said, we recommend termination, which is a fancy word for murdering your child. And so this was a tremendous shock to Brian and Jacinda. Tremendous shock. We went with them one night and we sat down with them and talked with them and prayed with them and comforted them in the face of this news and encouraged them to turn their hearts towards the Lord in this matter. 
And uh, we just, uh, I said, why don't we just pray for something that we could really easily believe God for? Let's begin to pray that the heart will be right. But you have to make a decision what you're going to do. What I really want to do today, particularly just as particular in relation to this message, is to honor Brian and Jacinda who said no to compromise, who said no to the easy way out, who said no to abortion. Want you to see what happened? Here it is there. You can see they look lovely. And what happened was this, is we began to pray together. And so they stood in prayer as a couple. And others stood around and believed that the heart would be right. About a, some little bit of time later, they got a checkup on the baby. And guess what? The heart was fine. No problems with the heart. I said, why don't we do this pray concerning the brain? It's easy to believe God could just fix this problem with the brain. And so we all began to pray, and they prayed faithfully and prayed, believing God for a miracle. And then there was a scan, and when finally the child came into the earth, they found, wow, the brain's okay. And then we prayed also concerning, I said, let's pray concerning the back now, because the swelling had gone, the heart had come right, the swelling had gone down. So let's pray now concerning the back and his ability to walk. And so, that, so Josiah was born. And when he was born, they said, oh, the hole is further down than we thought. And he can actually use his legs. So what the doctor said, heart trouble, brain damage, unable to walk. Every one of those things that were diagnosed, God did something about it. Their remedy was destroy the life of the child. Brian and Jacinda said, no, we don't believe in that. We're not going to take an easy path. But you can imagine how for days and days and days their mind and their heart was barraged with thoughts pushing in on them, thoughts of despair, thoughts about the future, thoughts about a child that wouldn't recognize them, a child that would never walk, a child that would die early, and their commitment to do what was right before God. God has honored them and blessed them. They have a beautiful child. There it is, just start it again. Doesn't he look good? Okay, just stop now. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads. You see, here's the finish of that story. The doctor who advised them to have the abortion when she saw the child was shocked. She reconsidered her whole position. She said, I will never advise parents like that again. One, per, one couple made a difference. Who knows how many mothers and their babies have been affected by one couple making a stand? How many know there could be a lot of people affected and impacted if you would make a stand? The first stand you need to make is a stand for Jesus Christ to become a Christian. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the most important stand you can make, the most important decision you can make is to receive Jesus Christ to become a Christian. I wonder if there's anyone here in that place tonight, perhaps a young person come or an older person, or perhaps you're sitting just at the corner, sitting just in the back, and, and something inside you, you know you're empty. Jesus said this, whoever received him, to everyone who received me, gave power to become a child of God. Friend, this could be your night, the night you become a child of God, the night you move out of a place of compromise in your life, a place of living a life without God, without hope, and receive Jesus Christ. Friend, tonight, raise your hand. Just let me know I want to become a Christian. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Is anyone here tonight? Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to become a Christian. 
you, Ray. God bless. I see the hand over there. Anyone else? God bless. Anyone over, anyone over here? God bless. Anyone else? God bless you, dear. I see your hand over there on the side. Anyone else? We'll make a decision tonight. I want to become a Christian. I'm not going to drift along with my life. I'm not going to live for nothing. I'm going to trust my life into the hands of an almighty God who loves me. My life will begin to count for something. So anyone else here tonight say, I need to give my life to Jesus. You're here and you're not a Christian. Don't worry what you think friends think. What counts is where you stand before God. If you haven't given your life to Christ, you're separated from the life he has. You're separated from his love. You're separated from your purpose and your destiny. You're wandering through life, trying, moving from one thing to another. Friend, why don't you give your life to Christ tonight? He calls you to respond to him. Is there anyone else? I wonder how many tonight, as I was speaking, you realize you're like those, those people there, those men that we spoke of tonight. You're in a place of compromise. You've actually compromised in areas of your life you know you shouldn't have. And you're feeling shame and grief and guilt. The Lord can restore you tonight. Why don't you just raise your hand tonight. If you know there's been compromise, financial compromise, moral compromise, compromise with alcohol, whatever it is. You say, I know I've compromised. I know that I've damaged myself because of what I've done. Just quickly put your hand up and say, that's me. I need to put my life right before God tonight. God bless. God bless. Anyway, God bless. Many young people. I wonder if there are others today and, you know, you've been sitting down like this other group of people in a place of defeat. So, well, I don't know what I can do. And God's been challenging you tonight to become part of the answer. You need to renew your commitment to Christ. Why don't you just raise your hand and say, Lord, I need to get back near to you. I've gone a long way from you. Quickly raise your hand if that's you. God bless. Father, I just thank you for people responding tonight. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for Brian and Jacinda for the powerful witness their life has had in touching so many people. Thank you for their uncompromising stand pro-life. Father, we pray your blessing on them. Just we're going to stand in a moment. Those of you who put your hand up, I'd love you to do one more thing. I'd like you just to come to the front. Just make a row in front of me. and Just stand, just facing the front. I just want to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. We're believing for the Spirit of God to touch you. To touch you to bring eternal change in your life. Why don't you do that? Let's all stand together, church. Let's all stand together right now. As people come up, God bless you. Others, would you come right now? God bless you, mate. Come on up. Let's give them a great clap. God bless you. Watch Any others? Come, 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 come. That's right. There are others. Put your hand up. It's not too late to come. Please come. Please come. Please come. Come now. That's right. Just come. Come. That's right. Come. Come. Thank you, Lord. Others need to come tonight too. Come. We're just coming to stand in here, mate. That's the way. Praise the Lord. I want you to all close your eyes. Just, we're going to just stand together and pray the sinner's prayer. I want you just to follow me in this prayer. Everyone say it aloud. It's the sinner's prayer inviting Jesus Christ to become the Savior. Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I turn away from all my sin. I ask you to forgive me. By faith tonight, I receive forgiveness. I receive your cleansing. I receive your Spirit into my heart. I belong to you. I thank you, Lord. You will never leave me. 
but you will guide and direct my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, just pray and thank you, Lord. I pray for your presence and peace just to touch his life tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Are there any others here tonight? Perhaps you're living in a place of compromise. Or perhaps you know that you're just in a place where you're sitting down. You're not where you ought to be. And you need to say, God, tonight I want to renew that commitment to be a person of destiny. To renew my commitment to stand up for what's right, what I believe, instead of compromising. Why don't you just come quickly. Come quickly now. If there's anyone else, just want to pray for ones who've come. <clears throat> Father, I just thank you now. Those of you who came, and you know that's what you came for because of compromise. Why don't you just follow me in this prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. I yield my life afresh to you tonight. Lord, touch me, empower me, and fill me with your spirit again. I commit to follow you, to become a part of your people. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. Amen. Amen. I want some one, two leads just to come up and pray. Just come and lay hands on these ones that are here now. Just come quickly and do that. Just come quickly. There's some over here. Just come and lay hands on them. Need someone to. Okay, Bruce. Don't just turn around. This guy there, Bruce, is going to talk to you and share with you. Church, let's stretch your hands out for them right now. Let's just pray for God's Spirit to touch them. Amen. Thank you, Lord.